All right, well, we left off in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to start up today. Um, this is actually one of those big passages that uh, you guys are probably all familiar with, at least in some level. It's uh, one of those ones where you, um, you know, it's kind of centrical to the, the, the faith. And the rest of the book of Acts will be based on this one man. So who am I talking about? Saul. Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters uh, from the synagogue at Damascus. So he found any who were on the way, both men and women, he could bring them tied up to Jerusalem. So, Saul, who we, uh, we've already seen once, he was holding the coats for those who stoned uh, uh, Stephen. And now he's uh, breathing threats and murder against the disciples. But what does it say there? I actually think this is interesting. He gets a letter from the, them that he could bring them tied up. He can't actually murder them. He has to do this legally. They have to be presented before the courts if they're found guilty of heresy, of course, the heresy of Jesus Christ, then they could be stoned. But they have to, he can't just go and burn people's houses down. Well, Paul isn't that guy. He's not going around just with a sword slaying people. He is legally following the law of the, the, the church in, in Damascus and, and the, the synagogue. And so some of their, there's a large population there in that group that are wanting to to, to kill the Christians, to stamp out this, uh, what they view as a heresy. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that's going on. So he says, now he proceeded, and it happened that when he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now this map here will show uh, Damascus, the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. So somewhere on this road at this point, we don't know exactly where he was at that point, but somewhere on that road, he, is, he is, uh, meets Jesus. Um, and that's why he will be called the last apostle because he's the last one to meet with Jesus. And um, so he says, well, so Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, who are you, Lord? You know, I say this, as I read this, I hear echoes of the book of Exodus when Moses is, sees the burning bush. And, the, you know, there's a bright light there, too, the fiery bush. And I hear the echo, you know, well, who should I say you are, Lord? And, of course, that's where we get the I am statement in the Exodus moment. I am that I am. And uh, so he said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus. I, I, there's a strong echo. This is one of those hyperlinks that go back that I think we're supposed to be putting this kind of connection to. He said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and I will... And, and I, uh, Get up and enter into the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. Now the men who were traveling together stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one, which probably was even creepier. <laughs> we're all having this auditory hallucination, but only one of us having visual hallucinations. Uh, <laughs> So Saul got up to the ground, but although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they were brought him to Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days, and he could not eat or drink. There's that three days. This has that significance as three days. Jonah was in the, the fish. Jesus was in the, uh, the tomb. This is that, that rebirth imagery. That he was blind and it took him three days so that he could see. 
and to repent and to go, I guess, uh, in a sense, like Job, uh, like Jonah, to the belly of Sheol, the pit of the grave, as, as Jonah will call it as he's in the, the belly of the fish. He said, I hear I, here I am at the, the edge of Sheol. Um, so we have this very religious man, and G, uh, Paul, in his letters, he'll give you, like, you have to piece it together, but he'll give you all his credentials over and over and over again. He's a very religious, well-thought-of man, sees of light, light, blinded, and he will be taken to a disciple in Damascus. So this is someone who has already followed Jesus, just named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... Lord's busy that night, right? He said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And Lord said, Get up and go to the street called Straight in the house of Judas for a, uh, a man, and look for a name named Saul from Tarsus. I'm seeing another Jonah reference here. It sounds Jonah. I mean, get up and go, just like he told Jonah. Go. And from uh, Jonah went to Tarshish, and here's a man from Tarshish. I'm seeing this Jonah, uh, this Jonah kind of reference going on in my head as I see this. For behold, he's been praying, and he sees a vision, and a man named Ananias is coming in a place, uh, placing hand on him so that he may regain his sight. <laughs> but Ananias replied, "Lord, I've heard from many people about this man." Mm-hmm. I already heard something about this dude. I don't want to go. <laughs> How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority of the chief priests to tie up all who call upon your name. But Lord said him, go, because this man has cho- is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. So the Lord is witnessing the, Paul's calling, not to just Paul, but to Ananias as well. You're going to confirm that Paul has been called. For I'll show him how much he suffered for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered into the house, placing hands on him and said, Brother Saul and Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you by the road uh, which came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from his, uh, fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. I know I can read. Regained his sight, and so he got up and was baptized. And after taking food, he regained his his strength, and he went with the disciples in Damascus several days. So he goes and he's restored. And this is the monumental conversion of Paul, um, which he's going to write arguably 13 books of the the New Testament. Um, I say arguable because we're going to talk about, as we talk about Paul's writings, some of them are in contest. But... um, but arguably 13 books of the New Testament. That's the majority of the New Testament he's going to write. So it's a very important moment for not just Paul, but for us. He's going to be the one chosen, it says, to, to go to the Gentiles. So, once again, important for us. So it's, it's, a, it's a big moment. And... Um, the Holy Spirit is going to witness, bring witness of this. Um, and we're going to see other, um, in Acts chapter 9, I'm not going to read all that, but we're also going to see um, uh, Peter travel around the country visiting the saints 
Uh, a paralytic, will, which has been red, bedridden for eight years, the Lord will heal him through uh, Peter. Many come to know the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, uh, 36 to 42, in Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, uh, also named as Dorcas, um, both names mean Giselle. Um, Tabitha is actually Aramaic, and Greek is Dorcas. And um, in Joppa, the, um, which is a port city for Jerusalem, lots of foot traffic. The saintly woman is helping the poor and doing good, and she dies, and Peter will be in great distress, and he falls on need and calls the dead woman, and her eyes will be opened, and she sits up, and more people come to her. So he brings someone back from the dead, which is, you know, crazy. I don't know, I feel bad for Dorcas, I'll be honest with you. Lazarus, all, I mean, I feel bad for these people, right? They're dead. They're at peace. They're going to have to die again. I know it's for God's glory. But they're still going to have to die again. One death is enough for me, thank you. Um, but yeah. Let's see, what happens next? Where are we at in the story? Um, Cornelius in chapter 10, a centron of the Roman guard, devout religious Christian. I've been preaching through this, so I'm not going to pre- go through all of these because um, you can go back and listen to my sermons. Um, Romans, uh, this um, God will... Um, Tell Cornelius to bring him to his house uh, as he falls into a, um, as Peter's up on the roof, he falls into a trance and has a vision. He dreams of food and he sees sheets from heaven coming down as if it were unclean animals, uh, all these unclean. Let's read that section. Let me, that's actually a really cool part. Um, let me see where it's at. Nine. Yeah. Thank you. And the next day, as they were on their way, they approached the city. Peter went up on the housetop and prayed at the sixth hour, and he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were prepping food, a trance came over him, and he saw heaven open up and objects something like a large sheet come down and begin let, uh, being let down to the earth by its four corners. Uh, this, this large sheet idea, this canopy these kind of imageries will be actually used again several times like in revelation and it's been used in other places as well the old testament um but this one is kind of like a picnic basket uh they're laying down for a picnic um uh let down by and the the it's like the 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 robe of his garments used often to express the glory of God and this kind of has that same feel in which there was four-footed animals and reptiles on the earth and birds in the sky and voices came to him and says get up Peter slaughter and eat but Peter said certainly not Lord for I have never eaten anything common and unclean and the voice came to him and for a second time the things which God had made clean you must not consider unclean and this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed with himself as to what the vision he'd seen might be, behold, the men who had seen him had been sent by Cornelius, having found the house of Simon by asking around, stood at the gates, and they called out and asked if Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there as a guest. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, he The Spirit to him said, Behold, men are looking for you, but get up, go down, and go with them. Do not hesitate at all, because I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am he whom you are looking for. What reason for you have have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centron, a righteous and God-fearing man, a well-spoken by the, the whole nation of Jews, was directed by the holy angel to summon you 
to his house to hear words from you. So he invited them and entertaining as guests. And that day got up and he went with them. And some of the brothers of Joppa accompanied him. And they entered into Caesarea. This, 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 uh, this vision he has, um, he sees... Um, Food that no good Jew would eat. And God says, all things I have made clean, let it be clean. And this happens three times, three being a holy number. Um, we've seen three already a bunch of times. Peter himself was restored three times as he denied three times. We've seen um, the three days. We've seen the... The, this, uh, the triune God. The three is, is very significant. Kind of. um, um, anyways, um, and so they, they have this, this three times, and God um, is showing Peter that it's not about unclean food, but it's about the people, the Samaritans, the Gentiles that the mission is about to open up to. Don't call them unclean. Now, in fact, Peter probably went on eating just like he had always done as a good Jew, not eating unclean food. It probably did not change, like, oh, great. He probably was like, oh, great, I can have a cheeseburger. That's probably not what happened in his life. He probably went, kept eating just the way he grew up eating, Eating the kosher food and not eating unkosher food, practicing the Jewish faith. Uh, that probably did not change in his life. But it wasn't about the food. It was about the people that he's about to meet. And he realizes that as God sends him with, he has this, because it says like he has this dream and he's like perplexing about it. He doesn't get it. Until he goes to to meet Cornelius, and he sees these people, and he's, oh, I get it. It's not about the food. It's about the people. And we've heard the story so many times, some of are like, well, how did you not get that? But can you imagine actually having that dream? You're like, maybe I was just hungry. <laughs> I mean, and then you like, um, and so we have these uh, these these imagery um, that that the universal God is not going to be held down because He's made them clean with His grace and His mercy. Once again, we're seeing Luke portray that universal God, that universal Christ. That's so important for the way He's writing. Um. So he's going to go see the Italian family, and the Holy Spirit comes upon those who have heard the message. Um, All right, this map here um, is a map that... um, is, is really about um, chapters 8, which we've already talked about, all the way through chapters 13. Um, this is uh, showing Antioch, which is the third largest city of the Roman Empire. It was a non-Jewish, made up of different, uh, what we call races. Um, and it become the center of the Gentile Christianity. Um, you'll look on there and you'll see different numbers. And I don't know if you can see them from where you're at. So, like, one right here is um, where chapter 8, where Stephen is martyred. And then um, two right there is um, where, it's, you know, in chapter 11, it says they travel as far as Antioch, spreading the message um, to the Jews. Uh, three um, other believers come from um, Cyprus, 
in North Africa. Um, that's in uh, to preach to the Gentiles in Antioch with, uh, they have in chapter 11, verse 20. Um, see, four up there, Jerusalem Church sends Barnabas to investigate. Uh, nope, that's five. Right there. And um, five, um, up there at the top, he is pleased that the church, and he collects uh, Saul from Tarsus, and the two stay to teach in Acts chapter 11. Um, it's actually around this time in Acts chapter 11 that the name Christian is coined, those who follow Christ. That would be in Antioch, where the the center of the Gentile movement will be. Um, the Antioch church actually becomes so strong that um, the believers there will actually send money down to the church in Jerusalem, um, the mother church, because they're it's becoming so strong they can support the church in Jerusalem which is saying something. Um, eight, Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the church of Antioch, and they become, are they are the first messengers of the gospel to the foreign countries in chapter 13. Um, if you read chapter 13, and we're, I'm, like, I'm skipping around just a tad, but if you read chapter 13, verse 1, I'm going to pull up my actual Bible, because some days I feel like reading it. Thirteen one, In the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, um, Manian, who had been brought up with the Herod of Tetrarch and Saul. We see a... Um, This is the church of Antioch. Look at these numbers. We have Barnabas, who's a Jew from Cyprus. Simon, probably from Africa. We have uh, Lucius from Cyrene, which is a North African city. Menean, which is the foster brother of Herod uh, Antipas. And Saul, a Jew from Roman Tarshish, later becomes Paul the Apostle. This is the church of Antioch at the time. These are, this is how diverse and, 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 and all brought together by Jesus Christ. It's, um, they don't just list these names because they, you know, they're cool names. They list them because they're telling you that these people are there, that, that this church of Antioch has become a collective of wide verse people that are worshiping Jesus together. Um, a lot of times we skip those names because they don't mean anything to us or because they're hard to pronounce. And we miss something when we do that. But trust me, I know the temptation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we do miss something because it's telling us something when it lists these names. It's telling us you've got... Uh, the foster brother Herod Antipas with the people from Africa and, and Cyprus and um, no one from Europe yet. So there's no whites yet. Sorry, <laughs> I have to throw that in because um, I was preaching at a church in Kentucky, and they were dead set that Jesus spoke King James English and was white. 
Um, and nothing I was going to say was going to convince them otherwise that the reason it was authorized was not because King James authorized it. It was because Jesus authorized it. And he was from, he was white and, um, and spoke the King James English. And I cringed. And like I said, nothing I was going to say was going to change their minds. So it's been kind of a joke of mine ever since. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, chapter 12. Uh, let's back up just a tad. Uh, Herod Agrippus uh, the first will persecute the Christians, and actually the first of the 12 will die in, in Acts chapter 12. Um, James will be beheaded. Um, and it says that when he saw this, it pleased the Jews. He ordered Peter be taken. Um, and, but the night before the trial, the angels come and free him from prison. And Herod orders the execution of the guards. And, um, and here he's called a god as he um, addresses the crowd in chapter 12. Uh, Herod Agrippa I will persecute James, order the execution of the guards, negotiate with cities of Tyre and Sidon, address the public, be called a god, and because of all this, Herod was struck down by an angel of the Lord and was eaten by worms and died. Incense proving you're not a god. <laughs> no matter what you feel, no how shiny your robes were, what good speech you had, you are not a god. Yes. This map here is actually a map of Peter's journey. Um, one starting with the day of Pentecost, so way back in chapter 2. Um, where you can see the, 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 the trails that Peter goes as he uh, heals the lame man, as he um, becomes the leader in, a leader in the church of Jerusalem, where he he uh, follows Philip to Samaria and, and Samaritans believe as they preach in the Samaritan villages. That's chapter 8. Um, as they go to Joppa uh, to confirm um, and, and where he, he confirms Paul where Peter um, and reports to the Jerusalem church uh, to accept the gospel from the Gentiles in chapter 11. Um, after chapter 15 there's really very little reported about Peter's work he was he's, he's the main disciple he's like the man right and then after chapter 15 very little is said about the man Paul kind of takes over the, the brunt of the story um We know that Peter meets Paul in Antioch, Galatians chapter 2. We know that Peter uh, uh, becomes a visitor to, visits churches in North Asia Minor. That's 1 Peter 1. Uh, evidence of Peter in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, um, 12. Uh, Peter is in Rome where he was executed, 1 Peter 5, 13. Uh, Babylon, it will say Babylon, but that's 
their word for Rome because they're referencing it back to the time of their Babylonian exiles. Um, there's actually a strong evidence that Mark, a follower of Peter, wrote his gospel in Rome just after Peter's death using Peter's eyewitness uh, preaching about Jesus. So Mark, the book of Mark, is probably Peter's story that Mark wrote down after Peter died. But we have very little about what Peter does except for other you know, little snippets we see here and there. He drops out of the book of Acts. Um, but according to tradition, he'll be killed in, the book, in Rome, um, hung upside down according to tradition because he refused to be hung, crucified like Jesus. Um, but if you'll notice on the map here, there's large gaps because we don't know exactly where he went. We get little little snippets. There's the main one the church is built upon Peter, and he was. However, Luke does not follow Peter. Luke follows Paul. All right. Outline of Acts 13 through 28. This is the rest of the book of Acts. There it goes. The rest of the book is primarily the mission journeys of Paul. Uh, 1314 is the first missionary journey. Then they come back to Jerusalem for that council. Second missionary journey is 15 through 18. And then the third missionary journey, 18 through 21. Paul will be arrested in Jerusalem and incarcerated in Caesarea. Um, he will make a voyage towards Rome. Um, which is full of all kinds of fun events. And then um, he'll ministry at Rome under, while he's under house arrest through the rest of the book in Acts chapter 28. Paul is one of those characters that is utterly transformed by the meeting of, with Christ. He doesn't keep going just as he's always done. He transforms his entire life. He gives up being the Jew upon all Jews and becomes a Christian. And he his name goes from Saul to Paul. Remember, that signifies an ownership or a, a change in responsibility. Um, that he belongs to God. And uh, his, um, he'll be utterly transformed. And um, he will become where he was trying to stamp out and make sure that this blasphemy, as he would have called it, wouldn't travel among the Jews, let alone the Gentiles. Now he's going to be taking it to everybody, to the Gentiles, the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. Um, taking it to the streets in Jerusalem, to the to the uh, imperial palace in Rome. He is going to take it everywhere with him. It will utterly change his life. And for twenty so years. He's going to travel preaching and starting Christian community, encouraging and teaching, writing letters, which will become part of the New Testament. It takes him about 20 years of doing this after his life has changed. Um, this is a map of Saul's early life. 
uh, once again going back before the conversion, um, where he spends time in Tarsus, um, taken to Jerusalem as a young boy and educated by a well-known teacher, which is called Gamaliel. Um, we are told that in Acts 22. Um, Gamaliel is a Pharisee. So Paul will be, cha- will be uh, uh, trained under the Pharisees. When Stephen is stoned to death, Saul holds the coats. He becomes a violent persecutor of the church, giving authority to imprison Christians. He is, even travels to foreign cities to root them out. Um, and then he meets Jesus. Paul will stay uh, for three years in Damascus. We often like to think that Paul just kind of like boom and went and went and went. He actually stays for three years in Damascus learning and preaching. Um, at some point um, in um, he actually goes uh, into the desert of Arabia um, and returns to continue his work there in Damascus. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 115 uh, talks about this. At some point during his training, he goes into the desert. Um, the next map. Yeah. That one. Is... Uh, Saul's work after Damascus, before his first journey, where he, he um, I think it's so important that we kind of get a glimpse of how he works in the area. I mean, he's well-traveled it's, uh, as he moves along the highways. Um, um, after his conversion, Saul is forced to escape from the Jews of Damascus in a basket, Acts chapter 9 states, he goes to Jerusalem to see Peter. Um, the believers suspect him, but Barnabas introduces them and talks with Peter and meets James. But after only two weeks, he uh, has to be smuggled out because of opposition of some Jews. Um, Saul is taken to Caesarea. Uh, from there, he leaves for his home city in Tarsus. He spends 10 years in Tarsus during his time uh, during this time he travel he he visits places in uh Cis, um, Sicilia and Syria he is uh still unknown personally to believers in Judea um, Barnabas has sent him to work in in the church of Antioch and goes to find Saul in Tarsus and bring him back to Antioch and they teach together for a year so you see how there it's not like he goes and goes and goes. He's actually learning and teaching. He spends 10 years here, nine years here, and, you know, he's uh, three years. You know, he's spending time doing these things um, and, and becoming a name. And um, as he travels, um, The dates of the first missionary, the missionary journey. Um, now, remember, these are rough dates, um, circa, around. Um, the first dates are around 47 to 49 A.D. Um, they visit the Roman province of Galatia. And the second missionary journey, which is about 50 to 53 we see in Acts chapter 15 through 18, he's going to uh, visit Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica, Colossians. During this time period that he writes the book of Thessalonians, the letters to the Thessalonians. Uh, third uh, will be 53 to 57, which found 18 through 21. Ephesus, Macedonia, Corinth. He didn't visit his Corinth. He's got to... Uh, he writes the letter of Corinthians around this time period uh, and the book of Romans where he's writing a letter to the church of Rome that's already been established as he desires to visit it. 
Sorry, was I moving too fast? I see some of you guys writing still. <laughs> I can always tell my note takers. <laughs> The first missionary journey, uh, Paul is sent out by the church of Antioch, Paul and Barnabas. We've talked about this on my sermons on Sunday, so this should not be something you haven't heard before. They travel to Cyprus, this island down here, where they will teach and preach, and uh, they encounter Bar, uh, Bar Jesus, the false prophet, remember him, right there? Then they will travel north, up, and um, John Mark at that point leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. Uh, that's one of those moments where you kind of get like this, this feeling of splitness, you know? Uh, Paul doesn't know if he can trust John Mark anymore after this. Um, and I don't know what the split was over. Was it an argument or John Mark just said, I need to go home or... You know, I don't know, I, I'm done, I feel like going home. I mean, it could have been something simple as, you know, like, hey, my mom died, and, or, um, or, or, you know, I, I got the runny nose, I can't make it on with you guys. I mean, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, we do know that they split. And because of this split, John Mark won't be invited to go back on the second missionary journey. Um. Paul uh, preaches to the Jews and the Gentiles until the Jews uh, stir up opposition for him up in this area, and then they will have to be travel uh, north again. Um, here, they actually stay quite a while. There's one of the Antiochs. They'll travel down here to Iconium, and they'll travel actually there for quite a while. Um, Many Jews and Gentiles become believers until a Gentile forces them to leave. Um, here in Listeria, we'll see uh, Paul heal a cripple. Um, they're held as gods, um, which they will deny, unlike Herod Agrippa I, who accepted it they're going to deny it and um, then a gentile plot will force them on their way um, and um, they're almost killed there many of the disciples uh, and they're going to get more and more disciples until they have to they return back to this Antioch not that Antioch this Antioch from which they were sent. Um, it gets confusing because you're reading all the Antiochs. And we've got two different Antiochs in this story. Antioch here, Antioch here. This is the one they came from. This is the one they get run out of. Um, but there's, what, 16 different Antiochs to choose from? So... lot of traveling. Ah. Then we have the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. And this one is actually uh, an important one. And we actually see people trying to still argue this point today. They're called Judaizers. And they don't often argue about circumcision so much anymore. But they say we should adopt more Jewish behaviors. 
Now, you can look at the laws, and Paul is pretty clear that the ones he doesn't want you to follow are the ones that, were un- that made you uniquely Jewish. Now, there are other laws in the New Old Testament that Paul was fine with the Gentiles following because it wasn't something that made them Jewish. It was things that denoted, well, good behavior, loving your neighbor and uh, loving God. These kind of things, Paul was all for them following. But he didn't want them to become Jews. Um, In Paul's eyes, if you became a Jew, you were under the law, therefore covered under the covenant, and therefore there was no need for the grace of Jesus to the Gentiles because you were becoming a Jew first. And he said, you don't need to become a Jew. The grace covers you. The grace of, the Lord, of Jesus covers you. You don't need to become a Jew. And uh, if everyone became Jewish, then it really kind of upsets what Jesus had, has already done. And so... Well, do the Jews need to become Christians? Yes and no. They don't have, remember, Judaism is not just a religion. It's a Jewish ethnic group. So they don't need to become like American Christians. They need to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So they can be what would be called Messianic Jews. They accept, they're still Jews, but they accept Jesus. And most of uh, it says a lot of the Jews were becoming Messianic Jews, what we call Messianic Jews. Jesus as the Messiah. Um, but many did not. Um, so they didn't need to give up their culture of being, and become Christians per se, but they didn't need to accept Jesus as their Messiah. But that goes on the other side, it's the Gentiles did not need to give up their culture and become Jews. I think that's something that a lot of times we need to remember as American Christians, because this has been an abuse over the history of America, where we force people to become American Christians and not let them keep their culture, accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Um, I, I, I think of, like, I grew up on the reservation, reservation, I think of lots of atrocities where they were using Jesus as a tool to really enslave the natives. Um, and it lead, led to revolts where now they are very hateful towards those who follow Jesus because of what was done inappropriately using Christianity as that tool. Remember we talked about that on Sunday? using Christianity as a tool instead of spreading the love of Jesus. That's right. That's what the Indian Bible College was established for. It is. Uh, they consider it the white man's religion. Um, Yeah, and uh, I've met many a, a Native American believer. Um, I've got some good friends that are Native American believers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, because of the atrocities that was done, where they used Jesus as a tool, we need to have more things like the Indian Bible College where we send out people from that culture. Uh, I was just talking to a missionary in Uganda, and a friend of mine, who... Uh, uh, he was talking about how that's one of the things they're working on there is training locals to do this so that they won't even have to, like, he said, one day I would like to not be needed here. Absolutely. Uh, because... They need to be able to keep their culture and accept Jesus. And we need to remember that. Because a lot of times we, we look at other countries and we say, well, they're not really Christians because they're not acting like American Christian. It's about Jesus, not about American Christian. That's how American Christianity, I, you say this almost facetiously, but 
in a negative light because American Christianity has become something that is not Christian. There's, there's like Christianity, and then there's an American Christianity, which is not real Christianity. Um, that, you know, is, is something that, you know, but the world doesn't see the difference. They just think all of them are, all of us are the same. And that's because, you know, but it's, 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 it's you know, as people have used Christianity as a tool. Uh, not just that. I mean, prosperity gospel is something that we could talk about with that. Um, but there's other things. Um, I, I, I don't want to get too political, but we could throw in politics into that as well when we use Christianity to further a political agenda instead of our, our religion influencing our political standpoints we use Christianity to further a political agenda see the, the flip that leads to um, that false religion Yeah, a lot of Jews still haven't accepted this. Um, it's, it's still a very hard thing. Um, I don't want to throw all Jews in the same category because not all Jews are the same. You know, there are Jewish Christians, um, believers, Messianic Jews. Um, but we do throw them, you know. But yeah, a lot of the, the primary group of Jewish people have rejected this teaching. Um, and so they are looking on the, standing on the outside looking in. Um, and so um, in 15, they hold a, a council. Um, and they're saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. But Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious con- argument and debate. And Paul and Barnabas... Had, and some others were uh, were appointed to go to the up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about the issue, and they had been sent on their way in church, and they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversations of the Gentile, the sorry, the conversions of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. And when they they um, and this happens in roughly forty nine. Um, and, and they come down to the argument, okay, well, let, let's say you don't have to be circumcised. You do not have to be Jews. What are some things that you do need to do? Like, okay, they, can't, they still have to follow some of the rules, don't they? Well, let's make it easy for them. Let's say, okay, well, let's, don't stay away from, from the idols. Don't sacrifice the idols. Stay away from food that's sacrificed to idols. Don't go near anything. You know, you need to separate yourself from the idol aspects, the whole idol thing. Don't eat the, even the food that was sacrificed to them. Don't eat even that. You need to separate yourself from the idols. Uh, stay away from blood. That's the life force. Stay away from blood. Um, so no vampirism. No, just, uh, just you know, you know. Uh, and actually this has probably became a healthier, a, a healthier way of living. All kinds of bacteria is, is in the blood. And we even, we, we even know that today, like, we, we all like our, un, I don't know about you guys, but I love my uncooked steak, you know, that, uh, that medium rare, that's, that's where I like it, or rare medium. Um, <laughs> um, gotta have, if it's, if it's not dripping, it ain't a steak, right? Um, but you even get those warnings today, undercooked meat contains bacteria and it can get you sick and um, and and uh, that's one of the reasons why that rule was in the Old Testament to begin with, is it can make you sick. And um, 
and, but they say stay away from that. And that's also part of the, uh, you know, because blood represents the life. And so it's a symbolic action. Uh, stay away from sexual immorality, which would include anything that was seen as immoral at the time. There's kind of ambiguous. It's not like there's a list of what means, does it mean to say sexual immoral at this time. It's kind of, well, whatever was sexual immoral at that time. They don't give us a list of what that meant at the, in this passage. Um, and uh, don't eat meat that, of strangled animals. Why? Because the blood had not been drained out. That was another one of those things. Um, you strangle the animal to keep the blood in so that it would be in it when you cook it. And be extra extra juicy that way. Uh, which is actually against. Uh, we don't have to worry about the United States. That's against uh, cooking practices today. You have to kill them in a humane. I'm not sure what that means, but humane way. Um, you know. A lot of them use that gun that shoots a bolt through their head into their spine, and they're not supposed to feel any pain. You know, I don't know. Um, and then you have to kill, you have to slaughter it and let the blood drain out of them, and then you know, it has to be away from them. Um, of course, that's not how it works in a lot of cultures. Here, even here in the United States, you know, you go hunting, whatever they, you know, slaughter the animal right then and there, and carve it up, and. I always found it fascinating, you know, you watch like the beauty pageants on, you know, like, the, do they look good in a swimsuit? And they walk around and can they play the harmonica or whatever they're doing. And the Native Americans, one of the things they have to do in their, their pageants, they have, like, to prove, they have to skin an, a deer right then and there and prepare the meal for the, um, um, for the, the, the tribe. It's, that's part of their, their, that all the women have to learn how to do. It's. That are competing. It's uh, kind of it's just the difference in the the culture there. <laughs> um, I always thought it was kind of fun, but um, yeah. So so the, the letter was sent to the Gentiles. You know, don't make it overly hard, hard difficult. Stay away from these things. Um, but, you know, you become Christian, and therefore God is going to lead you down a path of right living. And so there are going to be passages in the, in the Old Testament where they're going to want to follow these things. They're going to need to follow these things that aren't included in this because, but they're not things that make you Jewish. You know, the food laws, you don't have to follow those. You don't have to follow the circumcision. You don't have to follow the... But, you know, don't kill your brother. It's probably a good idea. You know, that's something that, um, would, you know, uh, someone who believed in Jesus, you know, Jesus would have taught, don't kill your brother. He actually said, don't hate your brother. Don't say mean things to him. I mean, don't stamp that whole thing out. Don't lust after your someone. Let's get rid of lust altogether, you know. Uh, I would, you know. We say, well, don't get into pornography. He, Jesus is like, don't even lust. Let's, get, let's, let's cut it down at its root. Let's, let's get rid of just the lust altogether. Oh, well, I'm out of time, aren't I? All right, well, we will pick up in the second missionary journey, and I think we'll finish Acts next week. And we'll move on to the, the letters of Paul. Any questions? All right, you guys have been great. I know I made you sit through way too much information. <laughs> all right uh let's go ahead and pray and, and and close father god we praise you today lord we thank you for all those wonderful blessings i praise you and i thank you lord i lift your name up in jesus name we pray amen hey rob would you reach over and hit uh publish uh, stop off air on that one i'll publish it if you just turn it off. <laughs>